But thank you for serving and working, attending. Uh, I just had a deep sense in my spirit that God was going to do great things at Man Up this year. And boy, did he ever. We, I think we sold uh, 455 tickets, which is just a great turnout of men uh, that came to this. And uh, for those of you that came, came we heard great messages. Uh, Dave Franny was here on Saturday with us, did a breakout. Uh, James DeMello was here Friday night and also Saturday ministering. These two are here today. Dave is going to be ministering in the 9 a.m. and then James DeMello in the 11 a.m. So if you want to stay for a double portion, the 11 a.m. service, please do so. But I want to introduce uh, my, my great friend here in Michigan, David Franny. We've known each other for a long, long time. Him and his wife, Cheryl, are just great friends to my wife and I, and uh, says they've been married for 37 years, and uh, that's part because we've been praying for them. Am I right about that, Ryan? <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. Uh, they have two married children, Matt and Hannah, and their spouses, and uh, he pastors Bay Valley Christian Church up there in Bay City. What a great church that is. He has his hands doing all kinds of things for the Lord, Leaders for Christ Training Center. He's got a Yosemite Leadership Adventure out in California, uh, Leaders for Christ Ranch, an 80-acre ranch nestled in the foothills of Yosemite National Park, Leaders for America Company, a for-profit business. He's an entrepreneur. He's a great friend. He ex- travels. He just does everything the Lord lays on his heart, and I know he's going to bless us. It's been a while since you've ministered on a Sunday morning here, hasn't it? Yes. Let's give him a great cornerstone welcome. Can we do that? Thanks, brother. Bless you. Appreciate you. Thank you. Good morning. Hey, it is good to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, David will quote David. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And it's always a treasure and a blessing to come to Cornerstone. And I'm very thankful for my, my walk with the Lord. But uh, how many of you know we can't do that alone? And uh, Pastor Rhonda and Pastor Tim have been those friends that uh, have been there, it seems like, all along the way. And so we're very thankful for their friendship and for their love for us. And uh, we love them greatly. Thank you. Uh, This morning, let me start by simply saying a little girl was talking to her teacher about whales. She left her Christian school and had to go to a public school. At one point in the discussion, the teacher remarked that it was physically impossible for a whale to swallow an entire human. Because even though the whale was a very large mammal, its throat was very small. But the whale swallowed Jonah, the little girl insisted. Irritated, the teacher reiterated that the whale could not swallow a human. It was physically impossible, she said. The little girl said, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah. The teacher said, "Uh, what if Jonah uh, went to hell? The little girl replied, well, then you ask her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I shouldn't have done that one. I can just tell. (laughs) This morning, uh, I want to talk to you about a passage that um, uh, really has changed my life. And I'm going to take a different uh, approach to a scripture that probably many of you can quote by heart. And uh, uh, it's in Isaiah chapter 53, uh, verse 5. Would you stand with me real quickly as we read the scripture? Let's read this together. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. You may be seated. This morning, um, like the command of uh, Jesus to Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. The Father of light is calling fathers to arise and be made whole and bring healing to the nations. 
It seems like in America, if you, if you look back in history, it was probably the 1950s where the evangelism came on, uh, evangelist came on the scene, was honored, and, and did great ministry like Billy Graham and others that came and, and preached the gospel all over the world. And we saw great revivals, great crowds that uh, would gather as the gospel was being presented. Uh, they say then, then after that, the 60s was the, the season of, of, of teachers, the 70s of the pastors, of the 80s. Uh, in 90s right now, we're talking about the prophetic, and then, and then the apostles. And some say, of course, there are no apostles, there are no prophets, there are no pastors. Well, they would say the pastors are about the only gift that was really given. But the idea here is that God is coming back, and he's setting his church in order, and he's putting the right ingredients inside his people so that we can reach the largest harvest of souls the planet's ever seen. And his strategy, of course, is found in Malachi chapter um, uh, 4, verse 6. And he says, He will turn the hearts of the father to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Jesus answered, I myself, uh, I, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. This is John chapter 8. It is my father who honors me, of whom you say he is your God. In John chapter 8, is an amazing passage to me because what God began to show me as a young man is that I'd only really known about children honoring their fathers. Go back to the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 6, you begin to discover that, that we were to honor our mothers and fathers. But in this passage, in uh, John chapter 8, verse 54, Jesus says it was his father that honored him. And I began to discover that there's a force, a power, a favor of honor. And that throughout the Bible, when you found people coming into the presence of, of people who they recognized greatness, they honored them. Whether you would approach a king today, even in, uh, in England, uh, whether you come into a house like this, you, you have to realize that God's plan was to do something on the inside of human beings that would cause them to recognize him and recognize those he sends. The concept for me as a father, a, need, a father to honor every child is God's plan for the nations. Let me say that again. A father to honor every child because spiritual formation develops relationally. We honor God by coming to Christ and he introduces us to our heavenly father. The Bible says no one comes to the father except through him, talking about Jesus. Spiritual formation occurs when I spend time in an intimate, personal, ongoing relationship with our heavenly father, the son of, uh, uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. So here all of a sudden I began to recognize when you get born again, John chapter 3, verse 3 says you must be born again. When you get born again, you come into a relationship with the Father. And the Father then releases the Holy Spirit to begin to do the work. I call it rewiring you from the inside out. The plan over the years is to transform us so that we can fulfill His purpose, His plans. His plan is that you and I would be His representatives in this world before He comes back so that we can gather uh, and uh, uh, reach the largest harvest of souls. Formation occurs when I spend that intimate time. I, I uh, had a lot of challenges growing up. My uh, father that raised me was not my biological father, and uh, there was a lot of hurt. There was a lot of abuse. There was a lot of name callings. There was a lack of affirmation. And what I began to discover when I came to Christ at 18, that when I accepted Jesus into my life, he revealed the Father to me in such a holy way that I was willing to die for that faith. His love blew me away. I'd never have known a love like that. And his love began to do something. It began to rewire me. It began to, I say rewire. Anybody got a square D box in your house? 
Any men know what I'm talking about? Any women know what I'm talking about? He had to literally, uh, so I wouldn't short circuit. He had to rewire my inside so that I could actually experience that love. And then he would begin to put it in motion so that actually it could flow to me and through me to other people. He then transforms or continues to transform us as we invest in the lives of others. We're going to talk more about that in a moment. I began to understand that when I came to Christ, I had a new father. And then when I got a new father, I had a new family. It was called the church. And the church became a new family for me where we actually invested in each other and prayed for each other, held each other accountable and grow. I don't know what some people think. They come to church and they get easily offended. And God was trying to help me even back then to recognize that, listen, uh, you can't kill a dead person. If you're easily offended, you're full of yourself. And God's plan is to take ordinary people like us, fill us with his love, so that you and I then can begin to allow and release that love so that other people's lives can be impacted in a meaningful way. So Father's house, or I would say Father means Father's house. The word family means Father's house. The Father desires to form and transform us by the resurrection power of Jesus. He's calling fathers, listen, to come to maturity so that we can gather, grow, and obey the Father. You know, I've looked over my life over the years and everything I've tried to do in my own craftiness, sneaky, manipulative way has not turned out to do much or be much. But one whisper from heaven can change the course of your life. When you begin to hear God and obey God, He can begin to do things beyond your natural ability. The New Testament says that the Father honored the Son. And our society is broken, uh, that millions of children do not have parents that honor them because they themselves were not honored. Carl Zilmeister of the American Enterprise Institute said this, There is a mountain of scientific evidence showing that when families disintegrate, children often end up intellectually, physically, and emotionally scarred, and that persists for their life. He continues, We talk about the drug crisis, the education crisis, and the problem with teen pregnancy and juvenile crime. But all these ills trace back predominantly to one source, broken families. As we continue to add to this brokenness, when the fathers are either physically absent or the home of the emotionally distant and hurtful when they are home, moreover, the concept of fatherlessness has been a growing concern since the 18th and 19th century. Many children lost their parents on the journey to America to the dangers of the rugged frontier. Several African-American children experienced separation from their fathers at the auction blocks by the hands of ruthless slave owner. And still others were left alone by the culture or the cruelties of war. During the Civil War, the nation's bloodiest conflict, over 618,000 soldiers died, and with one-third or two fi- to two-fifths being married men. In the 1940s, the United States entered World War II, and, and after much debate, the ban on drafting fathers into the military was lifted. In those years, despite the fact that fathers had to put on a uniform and leave their families, one vital fact remained, that American society understood the importance of fatherhood, the father's role and the consequences of his absence. As the end of the World War II approached, the public pressed the government to have fathers brought home first. Mothers formed a lobbying campaign entitled Bringing Daddy Home. 
Congress began pushing to change the existing policy in favor of fathers. Congressman from New Jersey said it this way, a generation of fatherlessness, uh, fatherless children would make our country a second-rate power and everything should be done to prevent such a tragedy. However, it seemed that the strong value of fatherhood has slowly been dissolving with each new generation. Before a father's absence was generally involuntary, or government enforced, whereby as today society of fathers leaves upon his own volition. Listen to this. An author, David Blankenhorn, states in his book, Fatherless America, the 1940s could say this, my father had to leave while he had to do something important. But the 90s, the children must say, my father left me permanently because he wanted to. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 90% of homelessness and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 85% of children that exhibit behavior disorders come from fatherless homes. 85% of youth sitting in prison grew up in a fatherless home. Nearly two of every five children in America do not live with their fathers. Daughters from fatherless homes are 6.6 times, it's probably higher today, this is an older stat, uh, more likely to be uh, teen mothers, teenage mothers. As shown by the statistics, when families fall apart, society falls into social and cultural decline. Therefore, if we want to impart healing and grace in our world, it must be through healthy relationships. Would you pray with me? Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, you are a good, good father. And you're alive and well on planet earth. You're moving through people. But we pray right now that you'd open our eyes to show all of us how we can cooperate with you so that we can reach the largest harvest of souls the planet's ever seen. Lord, in spite of us and in spite of our sins, you you died for us while we were yet sinners. But Lord, now your spirit is moving across the earth looking for men, women, boys and girls who will receive your unconditional love so that we can go after those who've been left to themselves so that they can know that you are their father. In Jesus' name. Amen. So now, now that we know the bad news, the, the statistics are, are, are so hurtful, let's go to the good news. Part of the challenge for the church is to make sure that we know the good news. Now, many of us here in the church today uh, say we understand the good news, but the good news has to do more than fill your head. It's got to fill your heart. How many of you know lost people matter to God? And every one of his children need to be able to communicate to this world, how we're going to, to see things change and how God's going to reconnect those who are outside the body and be brought into the body simply by the gospel. Now, the gospel is simple, but I want to go over it real quickly. The first thing I want you to know, according to Romans chapter 3, verse 23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We live in a world today where I've talked to a lot of people, and it's, it's almost like as if they don't think uh, anyone really does sin anymore. One of the ways we would share the gospel is by starting point, starting a point that, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I was witnessing to a young lady one time. She came up to my table as a waitress, and I started telling her about that God loved her, had a plan for her life, and that if we would simply humble ourselves and repent, turn around, and go another direction uh, from our sins. And she said, well, I've never done nothing wrong. I said, you've never done? She said, no, I don't, I don't believe in sin. I said, oh. Okay, so, so uh, I just finished my meal. I am not going to pay you. 
She says, you can't do that. I said, well, why can't I do that? You said that that, that sin doesn't exist. I can do what I want to do. Well, no, you can't do that. Well, she got the point and recognized that all have fallen short. The second thing we need to understand is in Romans chapter 6, 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death and the gift of God is eternal life. It's not enough to know that you've sinned, but there is going to be payment for the sin that you and I've committed. And it's got to be paid in full. And the only way that that gets done is when you receive Jesus Christ, who pays, your, pays for your sins. He's the perfect sacrifice. When John saw Jesus approaching, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And so all of a sudden, you began to understand that the Old Testament sacrifice of a lamb became the, the Savior, the Son of God, who was willing to go to the, like a lamb to the slaughter to be a, a sacrifice so that you and I could be forgiven. Good news is, according to Acts chapter 3, verse 19, repent therefore and be converted that times of refreshing would come from the presence of the Lord. All of a sudden you recognize when I leave my way and go his way that God will begin listen, to refather you, to reparent you, if you will. I'm so thankful for, for the Father. I'm so thankful for my relationship with the Son. I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit that is able to, to lead us. The Bible says to as many that are led by the Spirit, they're the children of God. So forever, I'm going around the world saying, telling them this good news. Pastor Dave, well, how do you do that? Well, according to Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with your heart and believe, uh, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be what? You shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from the sins. A lot of my Catholic friends and a lot of my Lutheran friends will say something like this. Well, can we really know? Can we really know if we're going to heaven? I said, well, turn to your Catholic Bible. Look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. These things are written unto you who believe, who believe in the name of the Son of God that you might know that you have eternal life. Now, why am I going through this? I know that most of you know this stuff, but here's what I'm trying to say. When you begin to get the gospel inside of you and it saves you, it goes to work dealing with you so that you can stand right before God. But better than that, he wants us to be communicators so that we can tell the world. It's not enough that I know the, the gospel. It's, it's got to be more than me knowing it. It wants to flow to me and through me so that I can be part of the end time harvest. Well, I'm not an evangelist. That's not my gift. No, just stop. Quit putting a title on yourself. Jesus was all five uh, of, the, of the ascension gifts. And what he's saying is that the best gift is the one that's needed at the time. So when you're uh, with somebody, with a friend, with a neighbor, with a, a schoolmate, with a, an employer, employee, God's saying to you, I want you to know the gospel so that you can present the gospel. And when all of us present the gospel, we all get to see people get saved, not just in church. And getting saved, by the way, isn't the church isn't always the destination where they get saved. They may get saved with you, but you've got to know the gospel. Learn it. Hide it in your heart. All of a sudden... Uh, I, I come to a place of 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, and it says this, Behold, how good and pleasant it is when... Not, excuse me, that's Psalm. It, it says, Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto me that we should be called the children of God. The good news, the gospel, comes to his children. His children have to ruminate on it, get it on the inside of them, and then it begin to release it to the world. Now watch this. What we discovered that when we receive the gospel, we also have some trouble because of our brokenness or our woundedness. And in 2 Samuel chapter 4, there's a story about a man named Mephibosheth. Can you say Mephibosheth? 
Mephibosheth is a young man who, who uh, was uh, the son of Jonathan, who was the grandson of Saul. And uh, David, after the battle, finds out that they both died, says, I, is there anybody left in the lineage of Jonathan or anyone left from their family? I want to find them. And he searched the, the countryside and he began to find a young man who was Jonathan's son named Mephibosheth. And all of a sudden, David goes to him, he finds him, and he found out that, uh, let me read a little bit to you. He says, we see a picture of a boy who experienced brokenness because of the absent, absence of his father. 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4. He wasn't there, listen, to affirm him. The scripture reads, Jonathan's son, Saul, had a son who was lame at his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel, and his nurse took him up and fled. And it happened as she made haste to flee, he fell and become lame. His name was Mephibosheth. Now let me give you a little bit of backstory here. All of a sudden, Mephibosheth is found. He's five years old. His father passes. When David finds him, he says, listen, I want to restore to you what you've lost. I want to bring you back to the king's palace. I want you to uh, inherit land again. I'm going to give you servants again. I want to invest in you again because you're valuable. And perhaps one of the saddest responses to good news is what happens here. He says to them, why would you look at a dead dog like me? Have you found that when you're sharing the gospel, giving people the message that some people just think they're not worthy enough to receive it? That somehow they're just not as good as somebody else and, and it's not for them. We hear a lot about uh, uh, the, the differences in our race and the differences in our cultures, but the reality is we have to be Christians first. God wants you to know how much he loves you, but there's a lot of things on the inside of us that want to repel that because somehow we believe the lie that somehow I'm just not good enough. Because they were afraid that the former king's family would bring revenge to the new king's reign, when David heard the news of King Saul and Jonathan's death, he decided to look for someone in the line of Jonathan to bless, for he loved Jonathan as a brother, And of course, he found him and he wouldn't receive. Here's the point I want to get at today. Once you understand the good news and you begin to let it work in you and through you, the next thing that happens, and this is where I want to land for a little while, the wounded son, listen, is healed by fathering. Wounded sons who have been broken begin to get restored, not only when they come into the family, get born again, you know, have a new father, you have a new brothers and sisters, uh, you have a new family. But now I want you to realize that all of you, listen to me, all of us are called to serve in the house of God. And when we serve each other, when we put each other first, when we esteem each other higher than ourselves, when we recognize this is not about me, God's people are the apple of his eye. He loves his people. And he loves those outside. And so what he's trying to do is get you and I to a place where we understand it. We let it flow to us and through us. But then all of a sudden, something amazing happens as I begin to serve him. You know, when I first started serving, I received Christ. The first place they put me when I went to a new church, because I got saved outside the church. Riding my bicycle down the hills in Arizona, I'm worshiping God, I, I'm just praising Him, and, and, and the Holy Spirit began to speak in other tongues through me, and, and it just changed my life radically. I, and I remember experiencing that love. It was almost like God reached down and kissed me, 
And I'd never experienced that before, and so I, I didn't know what to do. I just began to pray in other tongues. How many of you know that worship, true worship, when you and I become worshipers, it's simply my response to his presence. It's not something I do or learn. It comes as an infant begins to cry out for its mother. We begin to cry out for our father. God's at work, listen, putting us back together like, remember Humpty Dumpty? All the king's men. And he, he goes on to say this, that the way that you began to be healed by his stripes were healed, not only receiving the forgiveness and unconditional love of the father, but now all of a sudden he causes me to serve. I, I found myself at 18 finding a new church the first place they put me was in the nursery. I mean, it must have been, maybe they were like four or five, I think, a little bit older than the nursery because I remember them saying, okay, little Johnny has to go into the bathroom and your assignment is to go take him to the bathroom. Okay, so uh, I'm like, uh, really? So he goes in the bathroom and he says, I've got to go number two. And so at an 18-year-old who wasn't very mature and didn't have any kids of his own and didn't raise any kids, I had my brothers and sisters, but I'm like, okay, I'm going to talk you through this. Go in there, shut the door, I'm going to tell you what to do. So I'm standing out there like, like this, okay, pants down, he does the pants thing. He goes, okay, I'm done. And I'm like, okay, come on out. He goes, no, 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 you've got to wipe me. First assignment as a new believer. I said, okay, here we go. Take that roll of white paper that's next to you on your left-hand side, and I said, wrap it around your hand. Of course, he did. Half the roll was all the way up his arm. I said, I want you to reach down and, and bring it forward. So I'm, I'm talking him through. I'm not going in there. I'm not touching him. I'm not, I'm, that is no... Well, they kicked me out of the nursery. I could never do that again. <laughs> they found another spot for me to hang out and serve. But here's what I found out. I realized over the years, I went into church and I began to serve in about a thousand different areas over the next several years of my life. One spot after another. And I found out, listen to this, not only did I serve, but when you serve and you get your heart right and you serve as you're serving the Lord, all of a sudden God begins to develop me or began to heal me and began to get me right. Why is Pastor and Rhonda want all of you engaged? Not being a spectator at church, but actually being a part. Because when you engage yourself in the things of God, God has a way of bringing healing into your life. You become whole. You, become, you begin to think of others uh, differently than you did of what can I get rather than what can I give. I don't come into church looking for people to say hi to me and make me feel good. I get to church now and say, what can I do to advance other people in their faith and encourage other people in the Lord? Embracing the Father's love allows His love to flow to you and through you as sons and daughters. Psalm 18.35 says, You have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand has held me up. Listen to this. Your gentleness has made me great. As a pastor, I find myself in lots of fights. I thought this was for, you know, for people that went to the bars all the time, got into fights. And there's all kinds of fights in the church. 
And God's teaching me that if I'll trust him and I'll handle things his way and I'll meditate on his word day and night, that when I get those opportunities to get into a fight, that his gentleness has made me great. Listen to this. Thy gentleness has made me great. Weak men and abusive men and controlling men are overcompensating for their insecurities and their fears. Psalm 100 verse 1 says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord our God, he is God. It is he who made us and we not ourselves. We are the people of his, we are the sheep of his pasture. Into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. All of a sudden, God is trying to say that by his stripes we're healed. The whole goal, listen, since you receive Jesus Christ, is to bring wholeness and a healing in your life so that God can place you in, in places where you get to watch this, create a fathering atmosphere where you begin to see people become whole and restored. This is the divine strategy. Wounded sons now becoming spiritual fathers to the nations. We affirm our sons and daughters, and all my travels, listen, all my travels, what I do now, whether it's the ranch out in California, or whether that's the business leaders, or whether that's into my church, the whole concept is I find myself creating life-giving environments where I'm affirming people, but now when I affirm them, maybe because I'm getting older, I don't know what it is, it seems like I can just say something now that has a, a lot more depth than it was when I was 20. And what God's wanting us to understand is the revelation that you had at being born again. He's wanting you to impart that, not only the revelation of being born again, but how you've walked out that process because you've been rewired. And because we've all been wounded, we've all had areas of our life that are not completely healed, the more you serve, the more you esteem others, the more you invest in other people, what you begin to discover is that God can take the foolish things of this world and confound the wise. I don't know what, how I got to a, a great church like this with an opportunity to speak, but here's what I know. I know there have been plenty of times when I was with people and I had to tell, I, I can't go do something fun because right now I'm with somebody that's in the hospital. I can't go over there and do that right now because I've got I've to help somebody who's, who's uh, going through a marriage problem. See, don't get weary in well-doing. Sometimes you think, well, I'm missing out on life. I, here I am serving in this capacity and everyone else is out having fun. Everybody ever thought that thought? They're all having fun, but I've got to go do this work. And what God's saying is, listen, when you allow him to mature you, you and I are going to show up in the 2022 year and we're going to actually bring something that we never, brought, we never had before. And here's what I'm finding, Brother Jim. There's people who are starting ranches and have ranches all over the country, all over the world, getting calls all the time of people starting places that they're creating, not, in, not only as a church, the hope of the world, but he's got fathers coming on the scene because I believe that the father a leader is going to help reach the largest harvest of souls. Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I don't know if that was for the father or not, but I know Jesus, who was fully God and fully man, when he heard the heavens open up and speak and affirm over his life, it did something for him that he was willing to go to the cross. My father knows me. My father loves me. I only do what I hear the father say. What a relationship Jesus and the father had. But listen, we can have that same relationship now 
of intimacy with the Father so that I can actually serve his people. And while I serve his people, he helps heal my wounds so that I can bring healing to the nations. When I take people on trips, I do a couple things. Number one, I call it 101. Uh, We're taking people regularly out to California to a ranch out there, and I want people to receive. They need to, to know the love of God. So we've got to cultivate an atmosphere where people can receive. That's what I love about this church. They do it all the time, and they do it well. The second thing I do, if you go on the second trip, I develop more skills in people so that they can share with others. It's one thing to to receive it. Now, how am I going to get trained for it? We need skills in the church. Some people think that, um, you know, the church and the the marketplace are, are different places. Listen, God wants you to take everything you learn here at church into the marketplace. It's not like, well, they got to come here. They don't have to come here. God wants to take you there. Three, 301 is your creating environment, taking others with you. And you go, one of the reasons why I take trips is not because I just want to travel. It's because the trips become an environment and a process in which people can encounter God in deeper relationships. And they begin, the Holy Spirit begins to reveal them to themselves. And when you see yourself and you're honest with yourself, you realize you're not all that. But with God, all things are possible. He begins to change. Listen to this. Fathering the generations by creating an environment. Fathers know how to create the right environment. We're not better than the other gifts because I see, I see in some ways the, the fathers as the last day group of apostles that are showing up on the scene. And it's not about them. It's about them. How, many, how many parents here want to see your kids grow up and do more and accomplish more than you ever have in your life? Anybody? That's the heart of a father. This is why I love seeing uh, Luke and Jen uh, raised up here at the church because they, not only do they have the right DNA, but they're, they love their family. They're committed to God. They're committed to each other. But see, it's not just enough at the church. This is what God wants at our homes. He wants us to love our families. He wants to see our family raised up. The gospel of Jesus is going to go with me or without me, but I want to be a part of facilitating a move of God so that you're not sitting on the bench, that you're saying, let me in the game, coach. Let me in the game. I want to be a part of what God's doing in these last days. And as the world continues to get crazier, They'll know my disciples, what? By their love one for another. Getting saved is the miraculous gift from Jesus. But continuing to build a relationship with God so that he rewires you. And you know why I I, I want to be an uncommon man? I I don't want to be a common man. I want to be an uncommon man. But the uncommonness comes because my relationship with God, I want to honor him. And then what happens is that the father, listen... The Father honors you. And he gives you opportunities for service in his kingdom. Fathering the generations by creating an environment. And everywhere we go, whether it's church or on these trips that we're taking, we're trying to create an environment, listen, that God can powerfully impact your life, heal your brokenness, that you'd no longer, like Mephibosheth, say that you're not worthy. Why would you look at a dead dog like me? I can only imagine his hurt and pain when someone's trying to love you and you can't even receive it. What do you want? So what am I saying today? I'm saying that the good news of Jesus not needs to be a message at church. It needs to get down inside you so that you can have an answer for everyone that asks you. 
The good news is, yes, he saves. He saved me. You can fight with me. You can debate with me. You can tell me all. But here's what I know. My testimony is my testimony. You want to fight against it? You can fight against it. I remember being in Israel and uh, one of the guides that was with us was talking to all of our group. And he said, listen, he says, people come from all over to, to see where Jesus lived. And I looked over him. I said, you know, I, I did want to come and see his life. But, you know, this is a Jewish man. I said, you know, Jesus came to America <laughs> and found a little Indian kid. And he met me in America. I'm not just to see where he lived as a religious experience. I came to Israel because... My Savior came to me. And that guy, something happened inside. He knew he wasn't giving a religious tour anymore. He came over, put his hand around me and said, something's different about you, sir. And I said, yes, it's, it's my relationship with Jesus. How many of you know, some of you are getting older in age. I don't know about you, I'm getting a little older. I'm going to be 58 this year. Not, you know, some of you are not getting older. He says, I'm not getting older. Hey, Listen. God's not done with you. Some of the greatest work that can be done in these last days is going to be with older people, listen, who are, have the Father's heart, who are helping to create environments where the Father's love can heal the, 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 the biggest hurts and the greatest wounds. The good news, we've got to remove the Mephibosheth in us. We've got to help other people get rid of that Mephibosheth attitude or feeling or whatever you want to call it. You begin to discover that the wounded son is healed by fathering. How are you going to get healed? How, how, is, there, is there a possibility that you can really have the chains that are holding you back broken? Yes, by learning to esteem others higher than yourself and serving his people at your own expense. To me, the divine strategy is simple. We're a people that have come to know the love of the Savior and the more I commit to loving other people with that same love, God begins to rewire me. Here's what I found out in my own life. Maybe this is true for some of you. When I first started out, I, was, I did the work of an evangelist. It seemed like I did it almost 10 years. And then I began to do the work of a, a pastor. And then I began to do the work of a teacher. And then I did begin to do the work of a, a prophetic person and operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then, it seems like as I'm getting older, it seems like he's saying, I want you to continue to be a father to represent me to the fatherless. Will you be willing to let the Lord, allow the Lord to use you to love on people in a way that's uncommon? As we commit ourselves to doing it, you're going to begin to see a great harvest. Listen, tens of thousands and millions of souls are going to come to know the Lord. Jesus is going to return. And he's looking for men, women, boys, and girls who start out knowing the Savior, who understand the goodness of our Father, so that we can begin to allow it to flow to us and through us to others. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, we come. And this is not just a message to stir our intellect. We need the, the life of the Holy Spirit to come right now. And to begin to do something on the inside of us that we can't do for ourselves. I rebuke that orphan spirit that causes us to focus on us and have our needs met and, and to put others second or third down the list because we think we're the most important. Because when you came to us, we see Jesus being a servant. 
When you reveal yourself to us, you come to us as a father who's willing to put up with our past and so graciously extends grace and forgiveness. If you're here this morning and you'd like to receive Christ, you'd like to be forgiven of your sins, you'd like to begin this process of being a vessel of honor to honor other people. You can't do it on your own. Zechariah says it's not by power or might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You and I cannot do this on our own. It's an encounter with the Father who rewires us, who allows his love to flow to us and through us so that we can become healed. The scripture says this, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and listen to this, and by his stripes we were healed. You got saved for a purpose. If you're here this morning, you want to give your heart to Christ. You want to be forgiven of your sins. You want to be part of God's family. It starts with surrender and receiving Christ. If that's you right now, when I count to three, I'm going to ask that you put your hand up real quickly. Ready? One, two, put your hand up real quickly. Three, right now, put your hand up quickly if that's you. If we're live streaming, that some of you today on the live stream, just put in the comment box below, I received Christ today. For those that said that or received Christ, I want to pray a quick prayer with you. Would you repeat this after me? Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I believe you died on the cross and you rose again to give me a new life. I receive you right now. How many believers are here this morning that would say, Pastor Dave, I received Jesus, some of you, many years ago. But I didn't always know my purpose. I've been watching and waiting. The Lord wants you to engage in your church life like you've never engaged before so that he can get you ready. Doors are coming to you. Things are going to be open to you. Opportunities are going to come to you. But you don't want to wait till the opportunity comes to get ready. You want to get ready now. Serve the Lord with gladness. Find your gifts and abilities. Uh, Get a spiritual gift. Begin to plug yourself in because the more you serve him with the right heart, God begins, listen, to heal you of your brokenness and of your wounds so that we can be a part of the greatest move of God on the planet. The harvest is coming to us and he wants us ready. And he's asking you this morning, will you say yes? to allow him to rewire you and heal you and cause you to be ready for the opportunities that are coming. If you could say yes to that as a believer, would you stand up real quickly right right now, wherever you are? I want to be ready for what God has next. The Holy Spirit's going to come right now and do what he does best, and that is give you what you need to accomplish that. You can't do it on your own. If that's you, stand up right now. Say, yes, pastor, that's me. I want to be ready for what God has next. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we come and ask that the Holy Spirit would begin to move through this place, helping us to forgive like we just took communion. We we go through a process of, of saying, forgive us. But Lord, sometimes we pick it up when we leave. Right now, I'm praying fresh forgiveness to flow in this place. That men will rise up to be men. That women will rise up to be women. That Lord, children will serve the Lord in a way they never thought possible. We're asking, Lord, to be part of your end-time harvest. Father, we love you and we praise you. You're a good, good Father. And we want to be your living representatives in the earth. 
Help every home to have that environment where the Father's love can break through. Let every home be an environment where people can see their sin and repent. Let every home be a home where your spirit flows to them and and flows to them, to the lost and dying of our world. Father, we love you, we thank you, we praise you. That by your stripes we're healed. Let this be the beginning of a new season for us so that none of us, listen, none of us will be left out of what you're doing in the kingdom. We're your men, we're your women. We want to be prepared. We're going to be prepared by serving one another. In Jesus' name, name. amen. Amen. Bless you, Pastor. Well done. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Yes. And I can uh, truly attest he has a father's heart, a spiritual father's heart for people. And uh, that's his, I would say, a bread and butter message for Pastor Dave. And praise the Lord. Great word. Thank you so much. That was awesome. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. Be gracious unto you and give you peace. Go in the grace of the Lord. God bless you.